you this morning as we turn to our Bibles. I just want us to read Psalm 8. The verse will be verse 4 to 9. Psalm 8, from verse 4 to 9. If you have found it, it reads in this manner. What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Amen. Let's go again to Hebrews. Hebrews 2. The verse will be verse 6. Hebrews 2, verse 6 to 8. If you found it, it reads in this manner. But one in a certain place testified, saying, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? Thou madest him a little lower than the angels. Thou crownest him with glory and honor, and did set him over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things in subjection under his feet. For in, that, for in that he put all in subjection under him, and he left nothing that is not put under him. But now we see not yet all things put under him. Amen. Let's bow our heads. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to thank you for such a beautiful day, and Lord, for the praises that have been given unto you. Because you deserve all our worship, dear God. There is no God that we can worship except you. So this morning, as mortals, we have come to this spot as an acknowledgement that there is a, a greater, higher power that is responsible for our existence. And when all world's affairs are well overwhelm us, we've got a place of refuge where we can come to. And that is why the scripture says the name of the Lord is a mighty tower. The righteous run into it and are saved. And that is why this morning we have come to you because you are El Shaddai. That is where we can come and suck strength from. That is where we can come and suck blessings from. And when we go back into the battlefield, we would understand who we are. But Lord, thank you for being with us because you made a promise that I will be with you and even be in you until the end of the world. We just want to 
thank you for your presence wherever we go. And here the believers, maybe some of them have got needs. May you just minister to them in a very special manner, dear God. May you touch them and make them whole. And Lord, even the reading of the weight, we just want to bless it as we commit everything to you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While you take your seats. Amen. Wonderful. Uh, how many had a great time during the convention? Amen. Amen. So we started with Brother Don Peterson, and he came and said, in his time, hallelujah. And then Brother Tinashe came and said, the enigma of diminishing the bully. Hallelujah. And that's what we're going to hear about Skippy. And then we moved to Brother Makua came along and said the gathering of the family of God in the end time. And then he came again and said God's purpose shall never be defeated. And then Brother Tinashe came to wrap up and say Imago Day, which means the image of God, which the subtitle was the Easter seal. Amen. Did I just remind you of all the titles? All right. Amen. So we had such a a blessed weekend indeed. Amen. Now, this morning, we're just going to continue our thinking uh, that we had a few messages, but this one, for some reason, was just dominating my heart. And I want us to just to speak about identity theft. Hallelujah. Identity theft. Or we can take it further and say spiritual identity theft. Amen. Uh, I don't know how many know what is an identity theft in the building. Uh, Or maybe... Has anyone ever experienced identity theft? Or maybe should I explain what it is first? Uh, an identity theft is when somebody uh, picks up your handbag that has got personal documents and then takes your personal documents and uses the information that, is, that he, he has gathered or she has gathered and become an imposter and pretend like he's you and go around opening bank account, taking loans, taking high purchase contract in your name. And you run into hundreds of thousands of rents of debt because somebody managed to access your identity document number and started becoming an imposter, pretending to be you. Hallelujah. And then uh, if you're a woman, maybe some of you would remember a while back, it used to be rife in this country, where you get to the home affairs, and they tell you that you, you have been married for three years. And you remember there was never a ceremony. You have never, you have never met this Mr. So-and-so but already there's been a change of your same name 
at home affairs, they know, they think or they believe that you are married based on the records that they have. Hallelujah. So that, those are just the examples of what an identity theft is about. Hallelujah. Now, I, I, I thought about if there is the natural types, the spiritual if there is an identity theft in a natural level, there must be an identity theft in the spiritual realm. Hallelujah. When an imposter comes and takes certain attributes or aspects of your life and he becomes an imposter and does certain things, and later you realize that actually it wasn't you, it was the imposter. Are we together, folks? Are you, are you with me? Amen. Now... And I looked at this, I said, the battle that we're engaged in, it's actually a battle battle of identity. How it started and how it will end. It's a battle of identity. Brother Brendan, maybe if I take you just, uh, uh, if we rewind some hundreds of billions years ago. Brother Brendan said... Brother uh, Elohim was there as this great fountain of life. And it says, a halo came out of him, which was in the form of the Son of God. And it says, from there, he began to create. And it says, the first things that he created were angels. And angels started worshipping him. That's where the prophet comes and says, then he became God. But it says, as he progressed with his creation, started creating this and that. It says there was this big angel with big eyes looking and admiring what God was doing, being fascinated with how these things were just coming into being because God will say, let there be light. And the words after they're spoken, there will be an explosion and, and, and something moves on and later the sun comes up. And this particular angel was quite intrigued, looked at this unfolding, how God created, and he was quite fascinated until it developed in him that, ah, if he can do it, I can do it as well. Hallelujah. If you're spiritual, you already know which angel I'm referring to. Hallelujah. It was Lucifer. But, uh, and then later we know how it happened, how he started the other kingdom on the northern side, and the battle started right there. He was kicked out of heaven. Then the angelic battle became a human battle, and it landed in the Garden of Eden. From that time, it became a battle of identity. Because what he wanted, he, he wanted to be God in heaven. And he couldn't be God in heaven. Actually, Brother Brenham, in one message, be uh, the conflict of, between Satan and God, he says he actually, God allowed him to come on the same equality with him. The only thing that he never gave him was the ability to create. Amen. Are we together for? Now, when it happened like that, it then it, it, it created an identity. And that is why today, we have a problem with identity theft. As we are sitting this morning, there are people that think they are worshipping God, but they are worshipping an imposter that stole God's identity. 
Are we together, folks? This morning as I'm speaking right now, people are going up and down and say, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. But uh, there are so many Jesuses upon the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Even Satan has come and he has become an imposter and he comes across as Jesus. But I'm glad in the end time, we have had a forensic investigator. There is only one person that can resolve an identity theft. It's a forensic uh, uh, investigator. It's somebody that can take the documents and look at the signatures and say, but this signature doesn't look like yours, so therefore it is not yours. And can be able to present a forensic evidence before a judge. And a judge can say, although you, uh, this was taken in your name, this account at Edgar's or wherever, it was taken in your name. But actually it was not you, because when we look at the signature, it reflects that it was not you. It was done in your name. But it was not you. Amen. Hallelujah. So I'm reminded that this forensic investigator that we have had, as we are sitting here, you may say, ah, I've never experienced identity theft. All of us in the building, we have experienced it. Amen. There are things that you did that it wasn't you that did them. But the imposter possessed certain natural attributes before you had the realization of who God was and began to do certain things that if we were to dig in your life, you will be very ashamed. But this morning, I've got the forensic evidence that says it was not you, it was done in your name, but it was not you, it was the imposter that stole your identity. Uh, are we together, folks? And, 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 and we are going to get into trying to, to bring a deliberate distinction as to who are you versus what you are. An imposter will always target at who, what you are but he's got no access to who you are. Are we together? We are going to get into that. Uh, Brother Brenham says in this message, or maybe just this scripture in John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Hallelujah. And maybe while I get it so that, that I can just get to this by, uh, by the way, the, I said it the other time that when you are a believer, we don't believe in ancestral worship. The living have got nothing to do with the dead. I don't care how you say your grandfather came and spoke to you in the room. I'm here to bring a forensic evidence that that was not your grandfather. The imposter stole the identity of your father, the voice, the body, everything, the mannerism, but it is not your father. It is the demon that wants to derail you. I'm giving you various examples of identity theft. 
Amen. Because the thief cometh not, cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Amen. Let's, let's get it this way. How, how was your identity stolen? In Psalm 53, verse 3, or Psalm 58, verse 3. Psalm 58, the verse will be verse 3. It says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they are, as they are born, speaking lies. Your, 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 your natural birth, it was not exclusively divine. Because the enemy had already injected himself into the human race. So that means, holy as we are today, knowledgeable as we are today, there was a time when we by default, not out of our own choosing, but by default, we were born in sin. Shaped in iniquity, came to the world speaking lies. That is why all of us, from the pastor down to the youngest child in the building, we all needed the grace of God. No one uh, was born holy. And, and if you understand how you came, you would understand. And I, it, it, I asked myself, because we often speak about how Jesus was born. And I say, why did Jesus have to come through Mary? Why didn't he just have to come like any other person? Like, for example, you look at the body that God used to visit Abraham. That body could eat. Why didn't he take the very same body and bring it later and through that body, we, we experience redemption. But uh, I, when, when I read in the, uh, the book, the Hebrews, Brother Branham says, because you came through the channel of death, he as well had to come through the channel of death so that he can make death to bring life. Are we together, folks? So that means because you were born, for him to be a perfect Kingsman Redeemer. He had to be born as you were born. But uh, the prophet takes it further and says, however, Mary was just an incubator. There was not even a speck of Mary's blood in the system of Jesus because we were not redeemed by the blood of the Jews. We were redeemed by the blood of God. Are we together, folks? So why did he have to come like that? It's because you and I were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, came to the world speaking lies. We, had, we never attended any school that taught us to speak lies. Hallelujah. We never attended any school that taught us how to steal. It, it was something, it was innate, it was inborn, it was something that was in us. As soon as we were born, later as time goes by, you started stealing sugar. But how, no one taught you how to do that. It is because you were born with a sinful nature. 
And from that time, because the devil had a say in your firstborn, and that is why he can inject a certain nature in you against your will, then there are certain things that you began to do as you were growing up. And you committed this sin, and you committed that sin. You moved from very innocent-looking sin, but later it becomes vile, filthy. But uh, let me say to you, it was not you. The imposter used what you became through your natural birth to do certain things. And even as I'm speaking right now, some of you, he begins to bring certain things that you did years ago and say, you remember this. But you can be able to tell him and say, but remember when I did that, it was when I was going through this case of identity theft and you stole my identity, you spoke lies using my name, you committed adultery using my name, you, I drank using your name, but actually it was not me, because through the revealed word of the hour, I have come in contact of who I am in God's economy, and I realize that through who I am, I'm higher than what I became. Are you here, folks? Amen. We'll get into these things. Brother Brenham, in this message, the exposition of the seven church in the Ephesian church age, he says the true church of Jesus Christ, the bride, is likened to pure gold. Pure gold, which represents the deity. Her righteousness is his righteousness. Her attributes are his own glorious attributes. Her identity is found in him. What he is, she is to reflect. What he has, she has to manifest. There is no fault in her. There is no fault in the bride. She is all glorious within and without. From beginning to ending, she is the work of her Lord. And all his works are perfect. In fact, in her summed up and manifested the eternal wisdom and purpose of God. How can we fathom it? How can one understand it? Though we cannot do that, we can accept it by faith, for God hath spoken it. I, I, want to, I want to dwell on this phrase. Her identity is found in him. So that means any person in the building who has not found Christ, they have not found their true identity. Because your real identity must be found in Christ. Are we together, folks? Are you still with me? Amen. Now, I, 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 I'm saying the power of identity. There are certain seven sons of Seva that went and approached an evil spirit. And they came to that evil spirit and said, We adjure you by Jesus whom Paul preacheth. Hallelujah. And the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Hallelujah. Because the evil spirit was realizing that these people as well, as much as they pretended they were speaking in the name of Jesus, but they were as well, there was an identity theft because they did not know who they were. 
He says, yes, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? During the time of John, I'm on the phrase, who are you? The time of John, the Pharisees came out to John and came to him and said, we want to inquire of you, who are you? Are we together? And then later he answered and said, I'm the voice of the one crying out in the wilderness. Later Jesus comes across and he says to his disciples, who do men say I am? Some say you are Elijah, some you say you are Isaiah, some say you are one of the prophets, but who do you say I am? Are we together? Why it keeps on saying who, who, who is because you cannot fight in this battle until such time you know who you are. God has deposited certain attributes in who Never pretend to be anybody else, folks. Be yourself because when God made you, he made you authentically with certain attributes that you and you alone possess. And every trial that comes your way is not coming to to check. how The trial is not coming to attack you while you pretend to be Pastor Madib. You are not Pastor Madib. You are yourself. And the reason God made you like that is because in you, he knows that I have capacitated you. That should you come across certain terrains, you and you alone will be able to overcome in that trial. That is why a true gospel is here to bring you back to your original identity so that you know who you are. And when you know who you are, as you move around the life's journey, you are able to pull certain things in you that you never knew they were there, but they were put by God before the foundation of the world. Are we together, folks? So that means how God made you stay as you are. Are you still with me? Amen. Now, Brother Brenham says something here in this message, the message, the invisible union of the bride, which I want to, I want to take. He says, well, paragraph triple uh, two, well, you're separated from your first union by spiritual death. Now you are born again or remarried to the new spiritual union, not your natural life of the things of the world, but of eternal life. The gem that was in you at the beginning found you. How were you found? There is something that God put in you before you could be born. And that very same thing is the one that found you. Do you hear him, what he says? The gem of God in you found you. What does it mean? It means as we are preaching the gospel, we cannot make decisions as to who are the children of God, but we are looking for that gem. And wherever we go, we declare the word of God, and the word of God has got the ability to come in contact with that gem in you. And once the word comes in contact with that gem, You defy everything that you have ever known about yourself. 
you actually deny yourself because that gem is your true identity. That gem is an attribute of God in a human being. And at the right time when that gem comes under the light of the hour, I don't care how low you have sung. I don't care how illiterate you may be. But when that seed comes in contact with the light, something in you can even in your drunken state can raise hands and say, I believe that. No one can come to the far to the son unless he is drawn by the father. And 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 some of you, it will be difficult. You will decide that I'm done. But for some reason, after you said I'm done, but something says try one more time. What is happening is because God has oh, this is good. While every aspect of your life crumbles and gives up, God knows that there is something tiny that he has put in you that you will never give up. That's why he could say to, to, to the table, deal with Job. Because he knew that in Job there was a, a mystery of the inner space. There was something that occupied Job's being. That the devil could never see. And I went to say Job many a time. He wanted to give up. But every time he wanted to give up. There was just a surge of energy. That came to him. He did not know where it was coming from. But it was a gem of God. In Job. That never allowed Job to give up. Are you here folks? That gem found you. That's why now it makes me ask the question, how many in the building have ever experienced identity theft? Come on, come on. We've already indicated, folks. I have experienced it. Have you experienced it? All of us, we have experienced it. You want me to remember, just think before you became a believer. What did you do? What were you up to? Does it come to mind now? Does it come to mind? It wasn't you. Your identity was stolen. And somebody used you or became an imposter. And did all those things. But while at it, I had much better say, under the blood of Jesus Christ, every sin that was ever committed under the, the, that case of identity theft, this morning is forgiven. You had much better believe it. Because the imposter is not going to allow you to say amen to that. He will jump onto your shoulder and say, no, 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 no. As, as far as yesterday, tell him and say, because you are a thief, as long as you have not repented, there will continue to be a case of identity theft. But as long as there is grace, as long as there is grace, grace will override everything that you have ever done 
in my name. That's why Paul says we die daily. Brother Branham says, the germ that was in you at the beginning found you. I can expound on this one. Uh, what brings, what comes to mind? You, you, look, you look at the entire Bible, folks. You look at characters that came through the entire Bible. God used the characters that were shameful so that he can show you the beauty of a flaw. You look at Rahab. Rahab was a prostitute. That's what she was. But who she was, she was a grandmother of the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you still with me, folks? You look at Tama, and you look what happened to Tama. Hallelujah. But God brought those women into the lineage so that they become part of the royal lineage. You look at Ruth. Ruth was a Moabite. She worshipped idols. But later, she came through by grace. And like, you, you can trace it all the way until you come to down to the Samaritan woman. The Samaritan woman, we've often said, when you look at her, she, she, did not look, she did not resemble in any way a church person. It's, it's a type of woman that, one woman that even if she was to come to church, we will, be, we will be very justified. And even women would be justified if we were to say, uh, Sister, not you, try another church. And we may even be deemed to, to be spiritual. And we can even tell others that our church is strong. It rejected that woman. That ill-famed woman that broke so many families in this community. We do not associate our church with such. Our church has got a good standing in the community. We do not accept such women in our church. And, and the laity would feel like, based on how we treat the Samaritan woman, they would feel like, now we've got the truth. And they can even say, it hurts. The truth hurts, but today we preach the truth. No way would she come closer to our church. Until she thought, I've been to that church, they chose me. I've been to that church, they gossiped about me. I've been to that church, I almost caused a split because others wanted me in, others didn't want me in. And I went to that until she decided, look, I'm done with church. I'm done with church. I'll get on with my life. Because let me tell you something. It does not matter what a human being does. When they are alone, there is something yearning for God. Even an atheist, there are times when an atheist is yearning for God. And the mere fact that you've got atheism, it confirms that there is God. Because they spend time saying, he's not there, he's not there, he's not. If he's not there, why do you have the whole movement to prove that he's not there? Until she decided that, look, I'm done. I will carry on with my life. And she stayed with this man. And this man left and she stayed with that man, the next man. And that one left and she stayed with that man. Uh, until her self-esteem was compromised and said there is nothing of value for me 
and I will use prostitution to sustain myself. Hallelujah. And maybe the Bible doesn't record anything. I don't believe you can be in prostitution without being on drugs. Because you've got to numb your senses. There must have been something that she was doing just to sustain. It's not normal, folks. It's not normal. That life is not normal. So you've got to be, you've got to be high in order not to see things that are happening in your life. So she must have gotten, there must have been other things that accompanied the life of prostitution. And when you looked at her, you, there, there was nothing, even if we were to say, go and testify to the people. The Samaritan woman was the last one. Hell was made for such people. That's what you would have thought without clearly saying it out loud. But while this woman knew that I'm a reject of the community, knew that there is nothing in me that resembles holiness, and while she went down to the well, the Bible says Jesus had to go by the way of Samaria. God made flesh had to go by the way of Samaria. And when Jesus came in contact with the Samaritan woman, what was she? She was a prostitute. But in what she was, down beneath was buried her true identity of who she was in Christ. Based on what she had done, hallelujah, she she never thought much of herself. But there is something beautiful, no matter what the devil can do, he will never take out who you are. He can mess up with what you are. He can do a lot of things. But who you are remains there. Who she was remains there. In the midst of prostitution, who she was remained. In the midst of a high life, who she was remained. Until one day there was somebody whose eyes was able to penetrate beyond what she was and got in touch with who she was. Brother Bram said, he began to have a conversation. And said, give me the water. And she said, no, I've got no water. And it is not customary that you as Jews could speak to us as Samaritans in this manner. And say, if you knew the gift of God. And the one that is speaking to you. You will be the one asking water from me. No, she went and she looked at the man. The man had no picture. But the man claims that he could give, him, give her water. And say, give me the water. Says, no. The water that I will give you will never thirst anymore. Because he knew that what she has been through, things that she had done, is because of the thirst to know who she was. And say, go ahead, get your husband. Says, I have none. Says, thou... Speak as the truth because you have had five and the sixth one that you are staying with is not yours. And right there, it's a, it's, a, it's a conversation that looked just normal on the surface. But beneath the surface, God, something in Jesus, came in contact with something that was in a Samaritan woman that no other man ever pulled out of her. 
Jesus went further and began to, to activate. He came in contact with that gem of love in the Samaritan woman. And the Samaritan woman started feeling good. And say, I've never been this happy before. I've never experienced this deeper peace before. What is happening? She looked at him and said, Sir, I perceive. I perceive that thou art the prophet. But we know, we know that when the Messiah cometh, who told her that? It is something that she had, but that remained with her. And in that moment, she confessed that we know that when Messiah cometh, he will tell us all things. And Christ says, I am he. And the woman looked at him, took the picture, ran to the city and said, come and see a man. Is this not Christ? What happened, my brother? She went there as a prostitute. That's what she was. But after she met Christ, she came in contact of who she was. She was a daughter of God. But the devil had stolen her identity, misused her identity, committed adultery through her identity. But when Christ came, all was forgiven. All was forgiven. Because she rose above what she was and came in contact of who she was. A predestinated seat was found. Brother Branham continues. He says, Now, your old book is gone. With your old union. He says, now you say, do you, tell, do you mean to tell me that my old book, oh yes, God put it in the sea of forgetfulness. You stand perfectly before God. Now your name is now in the new book. Not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life. We know, we know the, the semantics. I mean, this is where the prophet says Judah's name was in the Lamb's book of life. And people scratch their heads and say, ah, see, see there's a slip of tongue by a prophet. There's no such thing. The prophet has got no slip of tongue. The prophet proclaims the mind of God. Then you say, oh, Jesus, Judas, his name was in the Lamb's Book of Life. Does it mean you can, your name can be in the Lamb's Book of Life and be lost? Judas' name was not in the Lamb's Book of Life. But yes, but the prophet said it is in the Lamb's Book of Life. What do we mean? I've got a Bible here. This Bible... It has two sections, Old Testament, New Testament, but it's one book. 
And if you were to say to me, give me the Old Testament, I will not take the Old Testament and leave the New Testament and give it to you. I'll give you the whole Bible. Are you with me, folks? And if somebody says, your name is in the Bible, hallelujah, we need to go further and say, in which section? You can call it the book of life. You can call it the Lamb's book of life. But even after we said the Lamb's book of life, we need to go and search in which section. If it is in the book of life, hallelujah, all humanity, their names were written in the book of life. Brother Branham calls it the book of deeds. As soon as you are born, every deed that you commit goes into that book. And your name can be erased from the book of life. And there is the Lamb's book of life. Your name was written before the foundation of the world. Your name, even when we are unhappy with you, we can never blot your name out there. Even when God is unhappy with you, he can't blot your name out of that book. It was written by God before the foundation of the world. And this morning, the people that we are looking for, all humanity is in the book of life. Hallelujah. And all the bright members and the believers are in the Lamb's book of life. Written before the foundation of the world. The people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, whether they like it or not, they must overcome. God will make it compulsory for them to overcome. But those whose names are written in the book of life, they can throw their hands in the air and say, we are done. And God can say, thank you for your service. But the ones in the Lamb's book of life, you can never say that. God will pursue you until he reconciles you because the beast will deceive all whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. If your name is in that Lamb's book of life, you will never be deceived. Judah's name is in the book of life, not in the Lamb's book of life. It's two two books in one form. One section, another one section. Hope it is cleared. But listen to what the prophet says. Now, your name is in the new book. New book. What did the brother Bram say? He says, after the seals were opened, the Bible became a new book. Hallelujah. The seals are, is a new book. New book here, but not new book there. Are we together? New here, but old there. Because when Adam lost it, the devil, ooh, the devil wanted to, to get onto it. But it went back to the original holder. You know why the devil wanted that book? He, he wanted to make sure that everyone that was born, he can locate them and say, that one is that one God written about. But God said, David, you can never get hold of this book. It went back to the original owner. But that book, it's a human book. It's not an angelic book. Are we together? We'll come into these things. 
Stay with me here. He says, your, new name, your name is now in the new book. Not the book of life, but the Lamb's book of life. When the Lamb redeemed, what did the Lamb redeemed? Not the old book of your old natural union, but your new, your new life is in the Lamb's book of life. Your marriage certificate. The Lamb's book of life is a marriage certificate. What is the Lamb's book of life? It's a book of redemption. What is the book of redemption? It is the revelation of the seven seals. The revelation of the seven seals is a marriage certificate. That's why the prophet, before he preaches the seals, he comes and says, as I was delayed in the office, I had to officiate a marriage between a young woman and a young man. Let it be a symbol of what I will do for Christ. All the books around the world, every church has all various books. But there's only one group of people upon the face of the earth that have received a book from the throne. And what is that book? The revelation of the seven seals. The very one that no one would look at. No one was worthy to look at and to loosen the seals thereof. But the lamb took the book. And the lamb loosened to the books. And what is that book? The angel comes. He gives it to the seventh angel. The mighty angel gives the book to the seventh angel messenger. And he says, take the book. Eat the book. What manner of book is it that can be eaten? This book, my friend, is not just the pages. This book is a being. That book is Christ himself. Eat the book. Eat Christ. Become the book. Become Christ. And thereafter, prophesy. Hope you're with me here. Now he says, now the old book, and that is why, folks, if the devil comes to you and says, you don't qualify, you're unworthy, you can't be a believer, I know what you did, ask him, which reference are you using? Which reference are you using? Because, David, if you use the old reference, if you use the old book, I do not qualify. But if you use the new book, my name has been written in that new book by God himself, and when God wrote my name there, he never cared whether I qualified or did not qualify. He never cared about my mistakes or not about my mistakes. He looked at me and by foreknowledge, he just said, this gentleman is my son. This lady is my daughter. I'll write their name and at the right time, I'll come and redeem them. So it is an unmerited grace. So ask the devil, which book are you referring to? And the devil likes the book of life so that he can go in and check, have files, remind you. Until you, when, as Brother Brown spoke about that man that did something and came to God and said, God, I confess. God said, I forgive you. The devil continued to jump 
onto this man's shoulder and say, you went to God until God said, you say you did what? He says, no, on such and such day I did such and such thing. God said, no, no. Why? I don't remember. Remind me. No, God did. On that day I was wearing such and such thing with such and such people and we're at such and such place. How? The God that can remember where the end was last night moving, which hole it slept in, but does not remember what you did. Until the man says, yeah, but you remember, I came to you and confessed it. says, no wonder I don't remember. It's because I took it and threw it into the sea of forgetfulness. I cannot remember, but the devil will remember. The devil will remember. And the devil will come to you and say, remember. But God will say, I have got no idea what you two are talking about. Because it is there in the sea of forgetfulness. He says, you may, he says, Your new life is in the Lamb's book of life. Your marriage certificate where your true eternal gem from the beginning takes hold. So the series, it's a book of gems. Now it says, you are not only forgiven, but you are justified. Stay with me here, folks. Stay with me here. If somebody comes, steals your ID, goes and purchases a motor car, and moves there, opens a credit card, blows that credit card, and it's quite amazing, I'm often wondering, why is it the people that often steal someone's identity, they seem to buy a lot more than the one that the identity belongs to? I mean, you, if you go into your bank and you want 100,000, goodness, there is a lot of paperwork, there's this, then that. But he that steals it, they go in. They can just come with 200,000. Okay, we'll come back to that one. He goes, he, he takes a credit card, he does all these things. Then you go to the police station. Then you do what we call the affidavit. And on the affidavit you write, I'm not the one, my identity document was lost, I left the handbag in a taxi on such and such day when we were coming from such and such place, then you sign the affidavit. It's a son affidavit. Then you take the affidavit, maybe you go to uh, credit bureaus, and then they need to put an alert on your profile that your profile is under investigation because there's been an identity theft. Are we together? But imagine he took a car, he took the credit card, he went, bought clothes at various chain stores, then you've got this debt that you owe. Then you are able to get a lawyer, attorney, that can go and represent you in court and say, this gentleman 
has got these things that have happened under his name, but actually it was not him. It was actually an imposter that stole his documents. And he presents a forensic evidence that he, look at this contract, the signature that is signed here is not the same as mine. They look alike, they look alike, but a forensic investigator is able to look at the signature and realize that they are not alike. And they present the forensic evidence before the magistrate or before the judge. And the judge comes around and says, I do not find you guilty. Therefore, if he says, no, you are not guilty of those transactions, what does it mean? It means that your life must go back as it was before the identity was stolen. But yet, there is a death that were made in your name. But before the judge, he, he, you stand as though you have never done it in the first place. Are you here, folks? And that applies to all of us in the building. We did a lot of things, but later on, we realized that we have gone too far. And we realized, and God came, and we came to realization, there's been an identity theft. And we came before the forensic investigator that looked and said, look, here you said, but actually, it sounds like your voice, but it was not your voice. It was a demon that borrowed your voice and that said to those things. Here you did such and such an act, but actually it wasn't you. The demon possessed you and did that act. And on this basis, we are presenting to the judge that you are not guilty of all the acts. And the judge looks at the forensic evidence. What is the forensic evidence? The blood that was shed on Calvary. And he says, no, I realize that these sins were committed in his name, but it was not him. Therefore, you stand before the judge as though you have never done it. What does it mean? You are justified. You are not only forgiven. You are justified. Justified, it means as though you have never done it. So that means if you are justified and God is looking at you this morning, he sees you the way you were in your original profile. He doesn't see your ups and downs. He doesn't see what you did, what you spoke. But he is connecting and say, he looks at you. That's why the prophet says, you stand before God as perfect as you can be. But here's a danger. Are you accepting that? Are you accepting that? Because I can say that. The prophet can say that. God can say that. But can you accept that? And the devil hates it because the day you accept that, you'll no longer operate based on how you saw yourself, on how your family saw you, on how your church saw you. You will begin to operate on how God saw you. Are you here, church? Because the way your family sees you, there are limitations. The way you see yourself, there are limitations. The way the society sees you, there are limitations. But the way God sees you, the way God sees you, is higher than the way you see yourself. It's higher than the way the society sees you. It's higher than the way the church sees you. Are you with me? Brother Brenham says, 
you find out it is therefore being justified by faith it says look up the weight the weight doesn't mean forgiven the weight means justify it doesn't mean forgiven for instance you had if you had that I got drunk and done some evil things and everything then you come around and say to you to me you found out I didn't do them. Then you come and around and say, Brother Brandon, I forgive you. Forgive me. I didn't do it. At the first place. Now, if I did not do it, if now if I did do it, I'm guilty. But if you could forgive me, I wouldn't be guilty. But yet I'm not justified because I actually have done it. But the way justify is though you have never done it, is not even regarded at all. In God's book of the sea of forgetfulness, your old book and marriage is divorced, dead, is not even in the memories of God. You are justified. You were accused. You have never done it in the first place. The old union is in the sea of God's forgetfulness. You were not even married to it to begin with. The bridegroom bore your shame himself for you in your place. He took your place for you were predestinated for him to be his bride. Before the foundation of the world. You have the predestinated seed. You were deceived into it. By your first marriage. To your adulterous parent. Eve. It's no fault of your own. By your natural birth. You come after Eve. Who committed adultery. That's the reason you were born in adultery. You are a sinner to begin with. You were deceived into it. It's not your fault. You never did it. Because that little germ. That was in you was to be you before the foundation of the world. God put your name in the Lamb's book of life. Let's put it this way. Moses, he had a short temper. He was told to hit the rock once, he hit the rock twice. And when he died, hallelujah, there was a place called paradise. Brother Brenham says because the blood of the bulls and goats only covered sin, did not take away sin. So there was paradise. Then you had Abraham. He came. He spoke a lie. He died, was taken to paradise. You had a Jacob, a supplanter. He died, was taken to paradise. All of them, when they came, throughout the ages, when you look at them, the natural birth left a mark on their life, a spiritual defect. That's why none of them could become a kingsman redeemer. None of them could die for us, great as they were, and they were taken into paradise. But later came someone who did not come by sex desire, but he had came through the channel of death and was born and was raised and he grew in stature and he became a man and later he was indwelt by the almighty God and later he went all the way to Getsman and brother Bram says in Getsman he died more death than the one that he died on the cross what does it mean? he went through the pains until he say, if it were possible I would say let this cup pass by and later, the very one we see him, he's taken to the cross, he hangs on the cross, he dies between the heavens and the earth. And his body is taken, 
he's put into the tomb. And they put a big stone there. They thought they had finished with him. But the very same one, then he went all the way down. He descended all the way down into the region of the lost. And he went right there where the demons operate from. And he stood right there and said, I'm here to take the keys of death, hell, and grave. And he took those keys from the devil. And Brother Bram said, he did not only take the keys. This prophet was a great prophet. He actually says, Christ, when he arrived in the region of the Lord, he says it was two o'clock on Saturday evening. Or Saturday morning, rather. Or Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Two o'clock. That's what he says in the message, glorified Jesus. Right there, when it came, he took the keys and kicked the table and began to ascend. And he went into paradise. When he got to paradise, as I often dramatize it, already the news had already reached paradise. That there is somebody that is upon the face of the earth that is not like any other person that they have ever seen. Who declared that? Because Brother Branham, in the very same message, he dramatizes it. He says, well, Abraham was there. There was this big knock. And he says, Abraham, because he was a, the father of faith, he's the one that asked and said, who's there? And the voice came and said, a thief. And right there in paradise, they looked at each other, and maybe they were saying, wrong address. Because the thief must go the other side. But why is he coming here? He says when they opened, the thief was running. He was overwhelmed, screaming at the top of his voice and saying, I saw a savior. And they said, what are you talking about? He says, we're hanging on the cross. And as I was hanging on the cross, there was somebody that was hanging on the cross with me. I looked at him. And I realized that although he was in the same condition as we are, but there was something about him. What happened on the cross? A thief, what he was, he was a thief. But his true identity connected with the true identity of Christ. Tell me, folks, how does one dying on the cross, the same as you are in the same condition, but you say to him, remember me. Remember me. But yet he's hanging on the cross. Yet you heard him saying, Ela, 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 Masabas, crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But still the thief looked at him and said, oh, is the body crying. But within the body is the almighty God. Remember me when you come. And he says, today you will be with me. And the thief went to paradise. And we know that Jesus went down to the region of the lost. The thief was a forerunner of Christ in paradise. And say, I was dying on the cross, helpless, but there was help next to me. I was dying on the cross, merciless, but there was mercy. God reaching mercy on the cross for me. I can imagine it must have brought a new realization. Abraham must have said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He told me, according to the time of life, I shall have a son. That is the promised son. Daniel must have said, wait a minute. 
I once saw him. He was like a stone that was held out of the mountain without hands. It is that stone. Hezekiel said, wait a minute. He is a wheel in the middle of the wheel. Everybody was beginning to give a testimony until Job said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There was a one time when I was on the headship, when all hope was, for, was gone, when all hope was lost, but right there on the headship, I saw him. That is my redeemer. I knew it. I knew it. That my redeemer liveth. A thief's arrival in paradise started a testimony meeting. And right there, while they were testifying, he stopped by and said, Shalom. What does it mean? A breaking of a, breaking of a new day. And said, Folks, I'm here to take you. We're going to make a tour upon the face of the earth for 30 or 40 days. And the, the, the Bible said the tomb of many saints were open and they appeared on the streets. Brother Abraham said, Sarah with Abraham, were walking in Jerusalem. And so Abraham looked around and said, the city has changed so much. My love, you remember this is the time, this is the spot where I met Melchizedek. He said, while they were there, Abraham felt like they were being watched. He said to Sarah, let us disappear. Because the theophany can appear and disappear. But they can only be visible to the saints. What happened today? While the church spiritual was experiencing testimonies, while the church spiritual was, was experiencing resurrection, while the church spiritual was experiencing a spiritual tour, the church natural, they were looking down on their way to Emmaus. They were looking down on their way to the tomb. They did not know what was happening on the other side of the veil. And this morning, the picture has not changed. The church on the natural, Brother Brennan, Brother Bosworth, all saints of all ages, they are waiting. They say, goodness, it's about time. Look at the world. The world is falling apart. Every promise is being fulfilled. Every prophecy is being fulfilled. It's time for the rapture. But the church natural is lumbering. They think about the economy that has collapsed. They think about the rent that is falling. But on the other side, there is a jubilation. And if Brother Bram this morning, if he could be given a time to address you, the first words that he will utter, he will say, your redemption is near. Lift up your heads. And they appeared on the streets of Jerusalem. And on the ascension day, they went up with him. Brother Bram said that was the third rapture. Enoch raptured. Elijah raptured. They raptured. But the book was still on the throne. The book was still closed. The genuine identity, identities of all sins of all ages closed. John says, when I saw the whole creation 
turning back to atoms and molecules. He says, I started crying. I wept because I realized all the sermons, everything that has been written about God came to naught. It says, while I was hopeless, helpless, and weeping, discouraged, despondent, he says, I felt a tap on my shoulder. Well, I thought all humanity was lost. There was a tap on my shoulder. When I look around, there was an elder that said, weep not, John. Weep not, John. There is a lion that is of the tribe of Judah. He has prevailed. He will claim all the true identities of bright members. He will take the book and he will lose the seals thereof. And he says, I looked around. I did not see the lion. I saw a bloody lamb. Brother Brown said it was happening in sequence of time. Because all these characters, it was referring to the same person coming in different forms. And he says, as I turned around, I looked. I saw the bloody lamb. And the lamb took the book from the one sitting on the throne. It was not somebody sitting on the throne and the lamb going there. The lion, the lamb, the one sitting on the throne, same person. That's why Brother Branham says he took the book out of himself. And after he took the book out of himself, he broke the seals. John, who was weeping. Job, who was despondent. Job, who was discouraged. He began to look around. And it caused a jubilation. John says all that was in heaven and all that was on the earth and all that was in the sea I had I John saying he's worthy the lamp is worthy to take the book and lose the seals thereof. Brother Bram says when the book when that book the seals were open Brother Bram says John who was despondent he looked beyond the curtain of time and he saw John, another John. He saw his name. He saw his true identity. He saw his theophany. And John began to worship God. Brother Bram said, after the seals, after the church ages, it's time to worship God. Why? It's because after the seals are broken, a believer is able to see their true identity. Are you here with me, folks? Are you here with me, folks? After the sales were open, John began to worship God. And Brother Brennan says, Right there, the host of heaven, everything was silenced when that seventh seal was open. Because God did not want to allow ever again a case of a stolen identity. He says, If anything moved, would have given the secret away. So the angels that were saying holy, holy unto the Lord, they stopped. First time ever, they stopped. What happened to them, my brother? In the palace, we usher the king with praises. But if the king, we come and realize the king is no longer in the palace, do you keep on singing? You keep quiet. 
But while there was silence there, there was another holy, holy unto the Lord that was heard from somewhere. It was no longer in heaven. Holy, holy was transferred upon the face of the earth. Now it was the bright members that were saying, holy, holy, because the king left the corridors of eternity and came down to dwell with human beings. The Lord himself shall descend. The Lord himself, not an angel, folks, not a gift, folks, the Lord, the giver of gifts, the author of heavens and earth, the author of our faith, the Lord himself shall descend with a shout. What is the shout? The message of the hour. With a trumpet. What is the trumpet? An invitation to the wedding supper. With the voice of the archangel. What is that? The voice of the resurrection. Brother Brennan says he does these three things as he descends. But the world does not see that. But John, I like how Brother Tinashe put it, John, she saw it. It's not a grammatical error, folks. I know you thought I would say he. She, John, she, because John is the bride. And the angel that was showing John these things, he returned in a body form in the end time. And he stood behind the pulpit. And he preached the message of future hope. He says, I have measured to that city. I have measured to that city. Before he could preach to the saints, he said, I had to go westward. To connect with the angel's message. You cannot connect with the message of the angel without connecting with the angel. He connected with his angel. Which angel? The one that said to John, come up hither. I'll show you things that must happen thereafter. Now, that angel does not operate through Google. No, sir. I can imagine after Gabriel visited Mary and said, Mary, thy cousin Elizabeth will have a son. And they began to speak how Jesus would come. It was not something that you could Google. You had to receive an angel. And Mary, after he heard the angel telling him how things will happen, he looked around and thought of, of his other sister, maybe. But says she will not understand. Thought of her relatives. Thought of the priest. I said, they will not understand. The only person that can understand. It must be Elizabeth. Because Elizabeth experienced the same thing. Others, they will think are mad. The one that received an angel went to the one that received the angel. Because now it was an angelic affair. Not Google, folks. Not Google there. Such an angel's visitation. And before, well, Mary was coming. And Elizabeth peeped through the window. She started rejoicing and say, here is another believer that believes like me. 
when Mary stepped into the building or into the house, Elizabeth never asked and said, what is happening? Mary just said, I received a visitation from an angel. And Elizabeth said, I knew about it. I received the same thing. Hallelujah. And Mary right there said to Elizabeth, the child that I'll give birth to, the angel said, I must call his name Jesus. Well, well, Mary uttered those words. Elizabeth did not experience movement for a few days and was getting nervous. There were no sonas that day. Is the child still alive? Or what is happening? I'm worried. But as soon as Mary said, I shall call his name Jesus. It's a life-giving name. It's a life-giving name. A dead baby in the womb of Elizabeth started kicking Elizabeth. John, when he knew that Jesus was coming in the womb of Elizabeth, began to rejoice and say, Messiah is the King of Kings. Messiah is the Lord of Lords. Today, you have your identity restored. Brother Branham says, what makes the devil mad is when a human being comes in contact with his maker. And this morning, the devil is mad because things that we are teaching you, they bring a true identity. Now you can say, I was a drunkard. I was a drug addict. I was promiscuous. But that's not who I am. That's what I became. And whatever you have become, you can unbecome. When you discover who you are, you are Mrs. Jesus Christ. Forgiven justified, blood-bought. You carry his name wherever you are, baptized by his spirit. So there on those bases, there will never, ever again be another case of identity theft. The case is dismissed. You are not guilty. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. I am redeemed. I'm bought with a price. Jesus, Jesus has changed my
Shalom, Jehovah Shama. Oh, we worship you today, God. We thank you, Father Lord, for being amongst us today. You spoke in your word, O oh, Father. We came to worship you, O oh, Lord. 
coming to your house with our expectations, coming to your house, oh Father, with our burdens and laying them, oh Father, Lord, at Jesus' feet. And definitely, Father, Lord, you fed us according to our hunger. We bless your name, oh God, Jesus. Thank you for such a big privilege, oh Father, that you've given us to live into this age, oh Lord. Being the ones living the end time, oh Father, the age that Daniel could see from afar, Lord. But you made us, O oh Lord, you gave us this grace to be the one to come, O oh Lord, and fulfill, O oh Lord Jesus, this age of oh God being the really manifestation of the bride. We bless your name, mighty King of Kings. O oh Lord, thank you for such a sermon, O oh Lord Jesus. We bless your name, Lord, for such an announcing, O oh Father. This is what we can only get here, Lord, in the message of the hour. That's right. We bless your name, O oh Father, Lord. Now that we are about to leave, O oh Father, we pray that you come and carry on with us, O oh Lord, even in our places. May we, O oh Father, Lord, carry on meditating upon this word that we heard so that you, O oh Lord Jesus, we carry on with blessings and this word, only the word can change us. Bless even, O oh Lord, the pastor, the vessel you used for us this morning, O oh God. Father, Lord, only you can refill him. Only you, Father, can protect him. All we can do is to pray for him, O oh Lord. Down on our knees, O oh Father, Lord, crying to you, God, to keep him alive and healthy. O oh Father, for not eating spiritually will get us into sickness. We want to eat, O oh Father, the food of the eagles. This heavenly food, O oh Lord, that you fed your people, yourself, mouth to mouth, O oh Father, Lord. We bless your name. Bless even our deacons, O oh Lord. O oh Father, I give into your hand each and every one of us that made it this morning. Father, Lord, may we all be blessed, O oh Father, and partake to the blessings, O oh Lord. We pray, O oh Father, that you be with us until we meet again. For I ask all this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Still we meet on Wednesday. We start with our midweek services. Six o'clock. Amen. Amen. Wednesday, six o'clock, we start. Everybody's invited. Amen. God bless you richly. Have a blessed week. May God richly undertake for you and fight your battles. Amen. Ha la la, oh ha la la, ha la la go Jesus, oh ha la la, siti ha la la, ha la la, ha la la, ha la la go Jesus, oh ha la la, ha la la, ha la la. Ha la la 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 ha la la
Ooh, ha la la, 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 ha la la,